Loyalty and devotion lead to bravery. Bravery leads to the spirit of self-sacrifice. The spirit of self-sacrifice creates trust in the power of love. Marihei Weishiba. Bending Not Breaking, The Dragon Prince Edition. Season three, episode nine, The Final Battle. that time again welcome back to another episode of bending not breaking this is your host ben pruitt and i am so so excited to have a bunch of guests today not just one not just two but three guests and you've heard them all individually this season uh but we wanted to come back together for this final episode and all have a conversation together um and we are really excited that we are gonna put this out on our podcast feed but we're also recording it so we might put the video up for our patrons so that they can see the video as well uh note my hair on this for the patrons it's not great uh we'll see we'll see what happens anyway uh welcome back to Rahul Maggie and Kelly hello everyone how are you doing who's going first who's gonna do it who's gonna who's who's jumping I'll go first yes I'm doing great this is Maggie so excited to be here um let's go season finale yeah. oh this is kelly um good to be back thanks rahul for getting us all together yeah, yeah i mean i guess that means i'm rahul and you know ha- happy to be here um yeah excited finale yeah this is really exciting so uh i had a, a guest lined up that fell through and then I posted on our Patreon feed to see if there was a, a chance for anybody, any of our other patrons who hadn't spoken up, didn't hear from them. So Rahul was like, what about a group episode? And then I was like, go for it. And then lo and behold, a couple of days later, I, I get I get everything that I need to know. So uh, this is uh, from, from the work of your patrons um, and I'm just tagging along. Um, so I'm really excited to talk about this episode. I'm not gonna lie. I just watched it again and I teared up like four times in this episode. I was shocked at how emotional I got because uh, I haven't seen it in a while and I just I was kind of blown away at <laughs> how many times I teared up. Well, like did y'all remember how emotional this this episode was? I had I had goosebumps like multiple times just like shivers down my spine between like the scenes. I was like this is epic like this they're not messing around like the fight is the fights are so intense everything is so intense all the motions are so intense in this episode I was like is this for kids are we sure yeah that crossed my mind too I was like there are like people getting skewered over here like (laughs) this is rough yikes it was really intense but it was also really nice to go back because I watched it the last time I watched the finale is when I binged it. So to go back like a year later mm-hmm. and just kind of relive it all. And a lot of it, I don't remember as vividly as I thought I did. So I was like, oh, I forgot about that. Oh my gosh. And then like every finale, I feel like they do this. They cram so much in, in yeah. 33 minutes. So I'm a little nervous for my recap because I said I would do the recap. And then I watched it and I went, what was I thinking? There's so much happening to recap in this episode. Yeah, even if you were to not recap all the fighting, like, which 
there's still scene to scene to scene so much going on. So uh, I'm really glad that I don't have to do it this episode. Um, but before we go to the recap, I want to kind of venture forth into the, the lens that we'll go, we're going to be observing and viewing and discussing this episode through. And Rahul, you had the opportunity to kind of pick the lens. You all kind of divvied up roles and uh, this was your responsibility. So I'm curious, why loyalty? What, why? why? Well, there's a lot going on. So I'm curious. I think what really stood out to me was loyalty around Viren, you know, mainly with Aravos and Claudia, mm. um, who are still on his side. And then we also see Soren sort of continue his struggle with his own loyalty to Viren versus loyalty to the crown um, as, yeah. um, you know, as a protector of the king. Um, but yeah, really, you know, he has a conversation with Claudia in this episode that I found as soon as I, I heard that, I was like, okay, loyalty is top of my list now. Um, Fascinating. But yeah. then, but then, you know, as we've seen throughout this season and then at the end, Aravos is, is a character that, you know, I've been sort of curious from day one of what his actual motivations are, because I would be very surprised if he actually is completely allied with Viren and doesn't have his own ulterior motives. Yeah. I very much think Viren is a pawn in this grand scheme of things. Um, I, I think that also kind of speaks to the fact that it's season three of seven planned seasons. So I think that we have uh, the, the shorter arcs, but this longer arc is definitely going to be of Erebos. And I think the final, final, final battle will be with potentially Erebos. That's my theory anyway. Um, okay, so you've kind of selected the lens and I'm curious for either Maggie or Kelly, when, when you think of loyalty, I'm curious what comes to mind. Like, what is it? We've unpacked it before on the podcast, but I kind of want to get you all's perspective since we're, we're here and we're fresh talking about it. Um, I mean, when I was like watching the episode, especially after like thinking about, I was like, there's so many different types of loyalty. So then I was looking up, I was like, I'm going to Google types of loyalty, but of course mm. what came up was like customer loyalty and like yep. business stuff. And I was like, okay, that's not really what I was going for, but I was just thinking about how there are many different types of allegiances, right? There's different ways to form those types of relationships. Um, and some of those ways are good ways and some of those ways are bad ways. Um, and I think you see that pretty, like, they lay it out pretty straightforward in this episode, ways to form positive loyalty and ways to form loyalty through uh, other, maybe less positive means. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I did recently some research on loyalty just to kind of uh, prepare. And I was thinking about, that, like, I, I came across this study where um, they brought in people and marked them as part of a group and then pitted them against one another and so they had to sign a loyal an oath a pledge and people who signed the pledge when they were doing something innocuous were uh twice as likely to remain loyal if they signed that pledge than people who did not however when those groups were pitted against one another in competition they were twice as likely to cheat or do the wrong thing because of their loyalty pledge. 
So who you're loyalty to and the goals of the conversation really dictate whether people are, that loyalty uh, affects their ethics, essentially. And so I thought that was a really fascinating little study. And I just, I'm, I'm curious uh, how we'll see that play out in this episode, right? Um, Maggie, anything from you before we move on or? You know, I think it's interesting that Kelly brought up how, because when I think of loyalty, I think automatically of like the consumerism and the capital side of loyalty. Yeah, I think brand loyalty. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the main way we hear the word loyalty, right? Especially in this day and age, that is the first, you know, thing that comes to mind. So I, I'm wondering if that's an important point to just kind of keep in the back of our mind because we're not in the day of in age that the show is set in where loyalty is like what side of battle you're on, right? Loyalty is more of a consumerism side. So I just think that's interesting. But at the same time, there's also, I think this episode does amazing things for showing how loyalty can be a good thing, but also can be manipulated into putting you into a situation that maybe you don't want to be into because you're not checking their ethics or yeah. you're compromising your own ethics, right? So mm-hmm. lots of good discussions. Rahul, good choice. All Great right. job. Well, I'm excited to get there. We're about to dive in. But before we do, Maggie, you have just so graciously volunteered also to do the 30-second recap. And I am just so pleased that I do not have to do that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put 30 seconds on the clock. Are you ready? Uh, you know, we're just, we're just going to do it. Great. Three. Two, one, go. Callum still can't fly. Soren apologizes. They hug. Battle meeting. Rayla chooses to stay with Zim. Lots of fighting. Oh no, they're losing. But then the dragons come. But wait, fire strengthens the soldiers. More friends show up with jelly tarts. The tides are turning. They won. Wait, it was too easy. Viren tries to kill Ez, but then Soren stabs him in the heart. But it was a diversion. Viren was an illusion. Zim's in trouble. Rayla tackles Viren. They plummet off the cliff. Callum's love allows him to fly. The dragon queen awakens. Claudia raises Viren from the dead. Creepy. and 30 seconds that was that was remarkable that was, that was remarkable. so hard this is so hard that was really that was really good i didn't that think you impressive. were gonna make it but you did really good at the end yeah <laughs> for those I, that get to view it here are my bullet points i had to write it out yeah we have uh, about three quarters of a page there written out uh, <laughs> there's a lot going on okay there's so much so much to talk about so many good things well speaking of let's dive right on in what so let's Let's pick a moment. What's a moment of loyalty that we want to discuss? What's the first thing we're going to talk about? I think we should just go straight to uh, what Rahul brought up with that conversation between Claudia and Viren that kind of sparked, you know, his lens because it really struck me. What I noticed is that, you know, Viren's thanking Claudia for her loyalty and she says, well, of course, you're my dad. Like, of course, I'm going to, you know, be with you. I wouldn't let anything break our family yeah. apart because she's, that's like her greatest fear is for her family to be torn apart. And it, it almost struck me as like, Viren was like kind of surprised by her answer. He was like, oh, oh yeah, of course, of course, family loyalty. Because I think he forgets that she's not just another pawn that is manipulated by other means, you know, by fear, or by power, like she loves him. And so I feel like her answer, like her just true, like pure loyalty was like surprising to him. What do you guys think? That's a great point. Go ahead, Rahul. Uh, I was gonna say, I also think it's pretty reactive to um, 
Soren leaving the previous episode um, where now she feels like, oh, um, Viren is my only family left because Soren has a now, you know, me. I think it's interesting that Kelly brought up how there's family loyalty and I think that's a great point because it wasn't necessarily the way I was viewing that scene. But then when you said that, Kelly, I went, oh, yeah, that definitely makes sense because she is very loyal to Viren. And I think that loyalty, and we've talked about this before, is what's kind of blinding her to the reality of what her dad is trying to do. And like Rahul said, with Soren leaving, it's a blind loyalty because she's just clinging on to whatever she thinks of family, even though you just look at Viren, especially in this episode, because he looks different in this episode from the last episode, right? So we're watching that change, that evolution of him happen into this like very scary creature and, you know, character. So it's just interesting how that loyalty is blinding her. Yeah, it, there's just so much wrapped up in this one moment that I just like my brain is kind of spinning at all of the directions we could go. And I think you all are pointing to stuff that's really important because this has been Claudia's motivation from the beginning is, is family and this, this loving bond that she has with Viren and Soren and family first, right? Um, and then Viren is playing on that the whole time to keep her close. And that is ultimately what separates her and Soren, right? It's that moment in the prison cell where... Um, Viren laughs everything off and then Soren's like all right we're done <laughs> and it just reminds me of that and thinking about how when we are so loyal or so like yearning for something that we have previously been denied I think we are willing to overlook some things in order to to maintain that image. And it seems like that's what Claudia is doing at this point is I'm willing to overlook all these bad things because I've convinced myself that this is what we need in this moment. Um, and it just shows me how dangerous that can be and how, like, how do we, how do we check ourselves? Where are the checks and balances that can help us get out of that, that lock that she is in right now? Um, because clearly it's not war. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm really curious, like what, it, what is the, the boundary line? Where does that happen? I'm just, I have no idea. It's terrifying. Yeah, I really wish that we got more of Claudia's kind of like inner, mm -hmm. inner feelings because they really leave it like just on the surface level. Like you're trying to read her expression um, and there's really no indication, like, I don't know, I didn't really see any indication that she's, like, weighing this up. She's just all, mm -mm. In, like, she's just yep. straight in. And she even kind of is overcome, like, later in the episode, kind of by these, like, like malicious deeds that she's doing, right? You know, she's, like, making fun of their defenses. She's, you know, willing to hurt anybody. You know, she, like, you know, they, it just... So it's kind of interesting because I, I hope later that we'll see a little bit more of that conflict within her because she starts out the series, I mean, season one as, you know, such a great, wonderful, positive person. And then by this point, we're not seeing really anything except that she is sticking to Viren with all her might. And we're not really seeing any of the underneath. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if she feels more loyal to him because they share 
a little bit of that magic component and Soren is kind of left out, you know, because he is a oh. soldier and he's more of a, right. They are the gifted ones. And he is the, 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 the ungifted kid. He's the non-bender of the bender group. Right. That's an Atla reference. Um, yeah. But I'm yeah. wondering if that's also kind of creating that bond that she's feeling with her dad over Soren. And I think maybe I mean, like Ben said, we have seven seasons, so who knows what's going to happen since we're only at the end of season three. Maybe she has a, you know, a massive change that happens later on, but I think her character has so much development that's going to happen, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good development, right? It could just be, she could be the, the villain at the very end of the story because she's capable and we know she's really powerful and we know that her, what her line was in season one is not the line that she has in season three at the end of season three the line doesn't really exist anymore yeah this reminds me of that interview with Erin has uh about claudia and there was a, a fan that asked like is is claudia redeemable after what she did in, in, in this episode and like let's be real and let's be explicit she killed a guy to bring Viren back to life like i think that that, that is almost <laughs> confirmed in everything like all the so like murder right and for the to, to bring Viren back and that's a ooh. so <laughs> the response was of course she she's redeemable but it's going to get worse before it gets better and to me that's like you know Viren was bad he just like took a whole army and turned them into monsters and literally went from human to non-human I think right and a whole mess of people and then Claudia treating the other army as if they were less than human right uh by like blowing them up but also blowing up some of her own people and her own side in this like bomb that she she blew up to take away the shield wall so there's just a lot going on here that makes me really question like okay like sure she can I, I think we need to, again, when it comes to redeemability, like just because you have seen the error of your ways doesn't mean that you have been held accountable for the error that you have committed. And I just, there's a, there's a lot of accountability that needs to happen in order for there to be a, a redemption arc that makes me feel good about what, what has happened at this point. So um, I wonder to, to meta a little bit. I wonder what the loyalty base of fans are to Claudia and whether um, whether they see her that way also, right? I do really appreciate you bringing up her saving Viren because one thing that I definitely thought of was, um, well, I don't really know all of the lore surrounding dark magic and what, how much each spell like takes out of the user but it seems like um things that like save people's lives or th there are certain things that reduce your life force or reduce like your humanity um yeah. or something that you know are, are are more significant spells so we see Viren use a lot of these um to sort of push his own sort of progress forward this 
the two that I remember we see Claudia use that are most significant are when she saves Soren and when she saves Viren. The baby Um, girl. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I think in both cases, we see her hair change color, which is kind of like a visual marker of her, um, you know, paying the price. But I do think it's interesting that those are kind of the the two major cases of Claudia um, going that far, where it's to save someone that she loves. Um, And, and, you know, I I don't know where it would be now, but I, I, compared to Viren, I think she's far less likely to use it for her own personal gain rather than, you know, using it for someone she's loyal to. Yeah. I think for me though, the, what is considered as love has evolved and um, has changed. Just like Maggie was saying earlier, that boundary in season one is very different than it is now. And I think when you are constantly pushing that boundary, you are also kind of manipulating your own like motivations and intentions like and are able way more likely to talk yourself into doing something out of love right and again it's I I I don't love the slippery slope analogy but because it's like it's a um it's false logic and (laughs) there's some truth to it there's a reason it we come back to it so often um but I I don't know this is this is tough stuff this is tough stuff so I have a, a question to just kind of pose to you all and then also our listeners because a lot of the, right, as we see the, the physicality change on both Viren and Claudia and they become whiter, like their hair becomes whiter, they look a little bit more elvish. Did anyone else notice that with their transformation? And I think it's interesting. Hmm. The, the reason I bring it up is because there's that um, saying, right? Like the more gray hair, it shows that you have wisdom and yet you see them use it in a way that we wouldn't say they have wisdom, right? For the, the, the lines that they are crossing, right? We would not go, oh, that's a very wise person. So I think it's just this interesting juxtaposition and I might just be reading into it too much that the sacrifices that they make cause them to look a certain way, a little bit more elvish, but also older. Right. So clearly they're losing either some of their life force or they're becoming more in their roots or the elvish roots or things like that because of them playing with magic. Yeah, that's yes. fascinating. When I went through um, the show the first time and the first time we see Viren in his, quote, true form before he starts squashing butterflies or whatever <laughs> they are, um, uh, I thought he was an elf for a bit and then i think it's confirmed that he's human but i I had a momentary like oh and then um i i forget what kind of elf aravos is but i do think there's you know specifically there there's a yeah there's a a visual similarity in how they look yeah Yeah, that's really interesting i never i never thought of i never thought of that i just and especially because it's interesting that uh, Viren was hiding, you know, that true appearance because he, if he is starting to look, you know, more magical or more touched by magic, um, the humans who hate magic and magical creatures, right? Like who hate that they're going to start seeing him as 
not one of them anymore, right? So I think it's also about like your appearance. We talked about in previous, like another uh, episode about how your appearance, you know, affects the people around you, right? And that if they don't think that you look human, you know, they're not going to want to be on your side anymore. And Varian's very good about keeping people on his side, right? Yeah. The, the thing that's coming to my mind is I'm really worried kind of in this conversation, kind of uh, putting all of the elves in one box because like Moonshadow elves do have whiter hair, but we see a bunch of elves that do not, right? And so there's so many different types of elves to say that they look more elvish is I think putting a label that like I, I, when I first heard it, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> like they look more like a specific type of elf. And I, I so I think I hesitate um, to just kind of lump that in, but I, I, I see where the conversation is going also. And I think about, for, for me, I think it goes back to more, I think what Maggie was talking about with when, when we age, our hair goes white and our, we, we lack um, the, the nutrients and the things in our brains and the things in our skin that gives us the, the melatonin that changes it and makes it so that it comes out with color. And so white is the absence of color. And when I think about that, I, I think about Zadia and I think about all of the color that is there and the, how vibrant and beautiful and all these different, you know, literally rainbows everywhere. Zim's lightning is rainbow when it is going off in this episode. And so there's literally color everywhere. And then this dark magic is snuffing out life and it's going white. So to me, white is more like, it's letting me know that death is closer. And so it just, it rings, it has a very different thing for me in my head. And I don't know. I, it's just, that's what's coming to my mind when I think about this. Um, interesting. It's kind of like a loyalty to life perhaps. Um, yeah. makes me um what you said makes me hope that in season four we actually get to see the uh, more different types of elves because I was just thinking back how we got to see a couple types in the first three books but you yeah. know there's more there's more um you know types of dragons and more types of other you know yeah. people that I think would be interested to see mm. well Viren wearing white in this episode I think sort of fits into that theory Ben. yep sure is wearing a uh, big old toga that looks white uh a, 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 a robe of some sort um very uh <clears throat> jesus-y one might say um inter <laughs> interesting interesting how that happens yeah it's very strange um it has nothing to do with loyalty, but I find it to be very striking in a in a bad way. Um, I feel like he he should have a cooler battle outfit to go with his new look, but nope, just gonna rock the white big white pajama. I'm like, mm. I'm all about comfort. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, there all is right, the what other. Then oh, just sorry, to, go ahead, Maggie. That's okay. We're just gonna stay on the robe for one second more. <laughs> Because I think it shows just what Kelly wanted to talk about. It shows that he's super confident that he's not wearing armor, right? Can we talk about that for a second? That he is so probably overconfident, right? That he is untouchable. He is beyond 
arrows. He's beyond swords. Nothing is going to hurt him because he has magic behind him and he has Erebos and like all of these things and Claudia is at his side and he just goes into battle without any armor on just in his ceremonial white robe right so I think that's a point that we should think about maybe not even we don't have to discuss it but just knowing that that's another state that he's in in his mind that he doesn't need to wear armor because he's above being injured and then we see later on at the end of the episode that he is not immune to that right he he dies sure does super dead and then super not (laughs) um yeah i uh i'm interested in any fan theories around uh the purpose and the metaphorical symbolism of this rope please send in all uh things to the archive at gmail.com we will read them (laughs) um okay what's another moment of loyalty that we want to dive into in this episode I would like to bring up the one where Rayla chooses to stay with Zim and guard him up in mm. the, what do we call it? The mountaintop. Is it their like, it's their home, right? Dragon cave. In? The storm spire. It's called the storm spire. Thank you. I was like, I know it has a name, but I, I couldn't think of what it is. Thank you, Kelly. Um, Cause I think that's a great point of loyalty because I feel like there's a little bit of conflict where she wants to be with her friends right? That loyalty to stay with the people that she's been with, but also knowing her loyalty is protecting the dragon prince. And correct me if I'm wrong, is this in their little battle meeting moment, right? That's full of comedy, like big speeches and stuff. Isn't that the first time we hear him referred to as the dragon prince? Like there is that moment where it pauses or does it happen before then? Uh, I don't, all I know is that this is the moment where I started tearing up because Rayla they used the word dragon guard uh specifically and she like looks up and is like oh oh and I was just like oh she needs to do it and I was like oh it's just like that's oh but they also specifically said the last dragon guard not just dragon guard they said the last dragon guard which I felt that was one of the moments where I got goosebumps they all thought they were gonna die let's be real (laughs) so I I read that um there was an early script or something that um, they already, they were also going to title bait as a dragon guard. And, you know, like, you should be. Yeah, put some respect on my man's name. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bait is the true hero. We love bait. He's so good. He is good. He is good. But um, yeah, I, I think that's, Especially after last episode where Callum helps Rayla um, uncover the uncover the truth of what happened to her parents and how they actually, you know, did fulfill their promise, how they lived out their, you know, their last moments, um, you know, fighting until the end. I think that instead of last episode where it felt like Rayla was just kind of resigning herself to this fate, like to die, to basically just be like to sacrifice myself just because basically I need to repent for what my parents did this time. It feels more, it feels hopeful, right? It feels like this is what I want to do because it's what I believe is the right thing to do. Um, yeah. You know, and she's the one for the job. That's so, so I thought that was better. I, I, yes. And I, I still don't want people to just jump off cliffs. Uh, like, <laughs> uh, forgive me for not wanting people to jump off cliffs, but like I, I think that 
I think that it is her loyalty to this cause and to doing what is right that enables her to say, I'm going to push Fearn off the cliff and I'm going with him because that was the one thing that will accomplish this, right? And I'm not sure that she had any other options at this point. To me, that's what makes this different is this the previous time where she was like, nope, time to die. I'm like, you have so many other options. <laughs> like there are so many other things on your plate that, that are possible here. And this was a decision that was like, Yes, I think it was not premeditated, but I think it was almost predetermined. I don't know what the right word is, perhaps, but I think she was willing to do this from the outset of starting. And when the time came, it was like, this is the only option. I got to do this. And I think that to me is what, why I'm not more squirmy about it, but um I'm curious what other people's thoughts on this moment are, because I, I think loyalty is definitely what gives her the capacity to make this decision. But I'm also curious what I'm curious what you all think. Other thoughts. I wonder if her loyalty, because she realizes also in the last episode what her parents did, that she's kind of resigned herself to as their child, right? Their heir that it will be likely the same way that she dies. I know that sounds like super dark, but at the same time, we see her kind of absorb what happened and just kind of embrace that as this is, this is my role. And maybe that is her being loyal to her role, right? But also to the overall story, right? Because we see Viren is taking the life force from Zim and we know we need Zim. Really oh, stressful moment, right? Kid really? show. How That's is this jerk. a good show? <laughs> um, but I think in that moment, it's, you know, she is one person, but she's not going to be the one if she lives that changes the fate of all of the nations, which again, sacrifice. How do you know it's the right time to sacrifice, especially when it's a life sacrifice, not just something that, you know, you're sacrificing something of you, you're literally sacrificing yourself. But I wonder if because of how everything happened with her parents, that she's also just more willing to have that just no, no hesitation, right? She sees what's happening and just goes for it because Zim overall is, that's it. Zim needs to be okay. Yeah, with that, um, I also think, you know, before she found out the truth about her parents, it's very likely that she would have made a similar choice and gone in with the same, you know, self-sacrificial kind of mindset. I think, you know, if you were to ask Callum, that would be coming heavily from a sense of pride and, and sort of wanting to make up for her parents' failure. Uh, now, I think some of it maybe you know she knows how much her parents gave and if she were to give any less than that you know mm. she needs she needs to honor and be loyal to the image in her mind that she now has of them so that brings up my question i think which is to what is she loyal right what is what is specifically she loyal to is it this is it to zim is it to Zadia and Zim or is it to this relationship with their parents? And it just, it's convenient that they're talking to each other. Right. And I, I'm, I'm curious, like what, where the root loyalty is, right. Cause you can be loyal to multiple things, but there's always going to be a hierarchy in, in a way where this is the thing that 
trumps all. And so I'm curious what that is. Because to me, I, th- I think right now it's, it's to this cause, right? It, I think that her, her parents, the fact that this whole relationship with her parents and what has happened before seems like that's secondary to the fact that she's been trying to work towards this for however long, right? Months. Um, thoughts on that? Is that does that ring true for y'all, or is there something else that you might see as kind of the precedent for loyalty here for her? I think I agree, and I I think based on what we're talking about in the previous episode, that it's almost like there's a shift that occurs. I feel like we're ad- we're identifying this kind of shift in her mindset, and I feel like you could argue about when that exactly happens, but I feel like she was so driven um, by like loyalty to her people, right, to make up for what happened, um, you know, to right the wrongs that her parents did, like, she was so driven by that, but then once that was no longer, like, her, that's almost like the same, you know, that was her motivator as well, right, that wasn't just her loyalty, but that was what kept her going, but after that was resolved, then she was able to, like, rearrange the hierarchy and have the cause be, you know, her driving force, be the thing that you know helped her to be brave you know that helped her to make that sacrifice so i feel like she she changed it yeah okay i'm going to pivot us to another moment of loyalty if i may uh i want to talk about soren now because this is a huge moment for soren uh soren and claudia really because they're they're both present for this but um you know we see in in the past episode or two that soren calls viren a villain and I think when we are willing to go to that point, what we've done is we've, there, there's, there's, I wonder if there's a little bit of dehumanization there and, or like when, like they're a, a, to say somebody's a villain uh, is pretty big. And like, I don't necessarily disagree. I think Viren is very, got like villain qualities um, and still human. Um, I guess it's a question like when you lose, depending on what he's losing, because we don't really know the, the nature of what he's losing, if he's losing soul or if he's just losing like body, like we don't know what's literally being lost here, which is an interesting question, right? So is he becoming less human is, is potentially a question to ask. Assuming he's not, and he, assuming he is like fully human still, um, Soren kills his dad. Uh, or at least the image of his dad and Claudia sees this and it just creates this really interesting tension between the two and I'm curious um, I'm curious how this landed for you all like where where does where does the loyalty stand here I'm 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 open for thoughts I think it's a really difficult scene to watch because you you get to see for many reasons, right? Many layers to this. We could probably talk about this for the rest of the episode and not get into everything. But there's the moments where you see Soren really struggle with, because at this point, talking about Viren being human, but also that villain side of him, at this point, it looks like he's going to kill Ez, who is a child, right? We're talking about on screen, looks like he's going to kill a child who's also the rightful king, and you see Soren go through this moment of it's my dad. And he talks about how 
you know, I am, does he say the word loyal, right? Or something to the, I am to the crown, the true king, which is beautiful, but I don't think he wanted to, not that you would want to kill your father, right? But he makes that choice where I need to protect this child, but also the king. And he has that, uh, he gets to that unthinkable point where he does stab his dad in the heart. But I love how we watch him have a physical reaction to that, right? Like he is shocked that he did it, that he was able to do it. And his hands are physically shaking. And you can see that it was really difficult for him to do that. So there's that, that conflict that we see within him. And also the fact that Claudia is... Well, I understand that she's angry with him, but she knew that Viren wasn't real. So the fact that she allowed her brother to think that it, like she made him choose, which I think was her point to see yeah. if he was willing to come to their side, but that she let him believe for just long enough that he did in fact kill their father, right? You can see he processed it. I just killed my dad. And then it was an illusion because then you see the the moths or the butterflies that are there. So it was just, wow, like a whole minute and a half of just this emotional roller coaster that yeah. is so much to unpack. Yeah, Viren died twice in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, and he's still alive. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, oh, this is a, it's so intense. And I, I, I like this, the tone of Claudia's voice when, he, when she asks, how could you? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Like you could feel like kudos to uh Raquel. Uh un- incredible. Like wow. <laughs> like I was like <laughs> I felt that one. Um yeah, that's just really tough. And I I I think this moment uh hyperbolizes hopefully um the the nature of how loyalties can pull us to extremes and i i think that when we have something that we're dedicated to we are willing to kill for it and i i think that that's really scary and i don't know that like soren I, I don't know that if you would ask Soren ahead of time what he would have said if he say hey if you came across this on the battlefield like what would be your plan and I I don't know how he would respond, um, but I would just I wouldn't wish that scenario on anybody. That's so tough. Yeah, mm. really hard. Yeah, it makes me it, honestly. I just felt angry like when Claudia is so like I don't know if indignant is the right word. But she's like so self-righteous about like she's like how could you and she knows like she just set him up because she wants to test him well even still she may have known that viren may or may like may or may not have killed ezrin but we don't know if that illusion could actually kill ezrin or not it seemed like (laughs) it seemed like it was very solid right um and so ezrin was gonna die and she still had that livid loathing of, of Soren in this moment. I was like, okay, this is where it becomes visible how, how differently tracked they are in terms of what's okay and what's not okay. Um, 
And I just find that fascinating. I find it fascinating. I think, I think that's partly also what makes the scene so difficult to watch the second time. Because the first time you actually think that, or at least yeah. I actually thought that Soren killed Viren. And then it's revealed. And that's like another gut punch. Because um, then Soren went through this whole emotional ordeal for nothing. Um, and then the second time, you know, and then that impact is on another level. And then Claudia's reaction is on another level because then you realize she knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, it's really the point where Sor- Soren's loyalty is like tested in a way that like no one ever hopes to see in their life. Um, and I mean, up till this point, you know, we kind of saw where he was going, right? We saw the trajectory of how, you know, Viren was treating him and how Soren was let down again and again um, and how that kind of caused, you know, and he started seeing things more clearly when he wasn't under that like manipulation umbrella that yeah. Viren carries around. Well, and we see and, throughout the episode, he's talking like, oh, it's so good being on the good side of now that for change, right? Like being able to unchain things. And when we see this like apology with Callum, that's really beautiful, which confirms, I think the conversation that I had earlier when I was talking in the Dragon Prince episodes and he was making fun of them and they were saying it's because of this. And it's like, yep, there it is. He just said it. Um, but I digress. Continue, sorry. <laughs> um, and just that it's at this very moment that in this split decision though that like some people say like that's how he truly feels you know inside his heart because he I mean I feel like it could have not that it could have gone either way but like if Soren had decided had not been able to kill his dad and then that that fake Viren had like gone through Ezrin but then we find out it's an illusion anyways like that would have still been devastating in its own way. Yeah. And I don't then, think it... Because then Claudia it, would have been the one that killed him. <laughs> Sorry. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Or like, I and I don't think it would have... I don't think it necessarily would have changed like Soren's allegiance. Like, I don't think he would have gone with Claudia, but I think that he would have realized that there's still something inside him that you know, that can't hurt his own thoughts. So it's like, it's kind of just messed up. It's all messed up or all around. I wonder if it's foreshadowing too, because we are only three seasons in, what Soren and Claudia are going to have to face off each other later on, right? There's going to be more conflict, but then there's probably going to be some sort of right moment where they, they have to fight each other. And I'm just interested to see what that looks like because we already saw their their views coming from different ways but i think it will be different for soren because it won't be protecting necessarily a prince right like to have to stand up to his sister later on i hope it's done i'm sure the writing is going to be gorgeous because it always is right but it's just i'm excited to see the story but i'm also anxious for the story because there's it's going to be hard to watch it's going to be hard yeah, they're not going to let us off easy, I don't think. Uh, okay, I want to be mindful of time. Um, I think if there's one more uh, moment of loyalty that we haven't touched on that we really need to, um, I would love to, to hear it. Um, I just wanted to talk about, if unless there's other things too, but I just want to talk about how 
especially when we have these two sides of this conflict kind of coming head to head, I wanted to explore, you know, the idea of loyalty created by fear and loyalty created by, I don't know if love is the right word, but maybe hope. Um, because I just think that kind of, that has shaped, you know, this conflict basically since it started, right. That Viren was manipulating all, you know, the human side through fear of what will happen. You know, he's so paranoid that, you know, that, that the people from the other side of Zadia, like the elves and the dragons are going to come and enslave the humans. They're going to ruin their way of life. They're going to kill everybody. Um, they're going to come get revenge for what we did. You know, he's just so um, fearful of the future and the unknown that he uses that, you know, to kind of bring everyone to his side. But then if I kind of think of Ezrin as kind of like the core of the, the magical side of Zadia, because um, I think at the end of the episode that it does solidify him as kind of the leader, um, yes, you know, even yeah. the Sunfire elves are bowing to him, you know, everyone's bowing to him um, at the end and, and how he really built, they built their forces around love and hope and mutual care and um, a decision that they wanted to take care of each other rather than continue, um, you know, with the fear from the past, right? Rather than continue bringing back what happened before. Yeah. What do you guys think? I think uh, that, that really makes me think of, um, you know, there are all these soldiers that um, when Viren was saying, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna march on Zadia, um, a bunch of soldiers, you know, threw down their swords and, and walked away and he, he marked them as cowards, um, which then, you know, after Ezrin takes the throne, they were then, you know, they were then designated as being brave for their actions because they stood by their own, own values rather than um, giving into fear and, and following Viren. Yeah. And we see we've learned their name, Marcos come in and uh, starts hanging out with a Sunfire Elf. You know, they're hitting it off nicely at the end. But we, we see that, like, it's not because they were scared. It's because they didn't believe in the cause, right? And we knew that, but, like, we didn't, we didn't know, no. But we now know that at least one left because, and we can assume and theorize that there were probably everybody else that, that left probably joined up um, to fight against Viren in this situation. Um, so I, I think that that's uh, kind of a testament to the fact that people will ma use manipulation like Viren did to like build a stronger core, right? Uh, but the question is like, is that really stronger? Or is it, it, it might be stronger now, but it's also more brittle. It's easier to break. Um, whereas <laughs> maybe it's more bendable, right? And bending, not breaking, right? Uh, when, when, when you use love and friendship and kindness to form your, your bonds, maybe that's more flexible than it is to use the brittle, the brittle fear. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I thought about this too. I was thinking about like, I teared up when Ezrin brought back like a, you know, a thunder of dragons, which is the plural for a, a, a group of dragons, um, a thunder of dragons. I thought that was super neat. I thought that was fascinating. I love this moment of like Anya and her and Durin coming in and not only just Durin, but like Corvus and the Baker 
and coming in with like spare jelly tarts to throw at people's faces. Um, and like, I'm sitting here going like, where's your bag of jelly tarts, bro? Um, but so it goes uh, like, but there's, there's a different kind of bond that has formed that has enabled them to overcome this evil. And I think that this show is teaching us that those bonds are stronger, right? And what it's also teaching us is that we don't know when those bonds are going to come back and save us. Sometimes it seems like the effort that we put in in all those episodes ago of saving this dragon was just like a, a an offshoot of their kindness, but it pays dividends in the long run. Um, and it's the same thing with all these other moments of kindness that with, with the baker, with <laughs> like all these people, it's these smaller moments build up to pay dividends. And I think that, I think you're right to lift this up, Kelly. I think this is huge. There's also a moment while we're talking about that, that specific group of people coming together on the battlefield where, and I'm trying to think specifically, um, there's a banner and it looks like the broken chain, but I think they changed it when they come in. So it is a complete chain. So like they took the the staple that was supposed to be yeah. them being the outcasts and they put that on like their, their banner for their battalion. But I'm pretty sure it's a complete chain. Like it's no longer broken when they come in with the other, I'm forgetting the, the princess who is really good at archery. Anya. Yeah. Anya. But what's her kingdom called? Cause it's her kingdom. Durin. Durin. Yeah. It's her kingdom's crest. And then the chain one is side by side with that. And yeah. I just thought that was a beautiful moment. And I didn't realize that the first time I watched it, like I noticed it this past time. Yeah. There's chock full of detail. Super cool. Yeah. I, I also kind of want to, I think this is a nice segue to point to the, this final moment in the episode two with the dragon queen. Uh, this is really fascinating for me because what we know of Abazandum uh, Thunder is that Abazandum was incredibly jaded and very critical of humankind. Every time we see Abazandum, we see pretty angry dragon, right? Um, and the queen wakes up and I'm nervous when the queen wakes up because I'm like, oh gosh, this could, this could go all kinds of ways. But she's like, oh, oh, they're all hanging out together and I'm so happy. And I'm like, something is not lined up. <laughs> and so I'm really curious about this for you all um, because I, I think that we have been led a certain direction by only seeing Thunder to have this like, of course, last 30 seconds of the episode, leaving us so hungry for four years. I'm sitting here going like, hello. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious about this moment for, for you all. Was Were you all surprised by the Dragon Queen's reaction? Like what what's going on? My first reaction was perhaps it was coming more from her just overwhelming joy to be reunited with Zim. And then <sighs> seeing that all of these creatures of you know different nations different kingdoms are here together and I feel like dragons have that sixth sense where they know right mm -hmm. that they're not here as a threat they're here to support right so maybe it's her just waking up and being so overjoyed and the fact that you know her child is reunited with her but then I love what you just brought up Ben because it is true it's it's a very interesting 
take on the way that we've been viewing the dragon king and queen of do they dislike all humans or was it more of the king who was more anxious about humans and maybe the queen has been the opposite of that right kind of that equal force but also trying to balance each other out and I'm ready for more backstory four years is a long time four years is a long time let's go let's go yeah I um I was looking it up and like so she and Zubaya and Avizandam they are over a thousand years old so they were alive when oh Zadia was split so and just like when Zadia was split, I was reading about the lore. I was getting in deep for, for today because I was like, I just feel like I want to know more. Yeah, but, Y2G. <laughs> but like when Zadia was split, the current ruler of the dragon, so I can't remember, but she basically, instead of wiping all the humans out, she decided to just banish them. So that was a kindness. So I think there are dragons that don't hate humans like entirely. Like I'm guessing just like anything, there's like a range of, so I hope that they kind of do explain that more because it was like, she literally just saw them holding hands. She's like, this is great. This is the best thing ever. She's like, I love when, love. <laughs> yeah. When the last thing she did was send assassins after Harrow and Viren, which I mean, like justified, like not, well, I don't justify the right word. Anyways, like stuff happened on both sides. So like the last thing she did wasn't super kind, but I, I wonder if maybe she was somebody, uh, she was a dragon that was more like temperate with their, yeah views on the humans yeah i don't know but i'm excited to learn i'm excited to learn all right i've asked before but this is our our last call for anything on loyalty any any other small moments that we want to touch on before we transition all right seeing none i am going to phase us into some lovely uh musical things to you'll enjoy here we go are going to be hot after this lens mvp discussion uh we have been putting polls on our facebook group and on patreon and that's been a been a little fun little experience to watch everyone beat me um uh well uh so (laughs) we're trying to break that streak now uh with me coming in first uh good news we'll actually be able to have tiered uh ones so we'll actually might have like a first second third fourth uh place vote um for our lens mvp just as a reminder to everybody the lens mvp is this is the character that the four of us are going to choose um that this person models the lens the best uh and that does not mean that it's like categorically good but the best at modeling the lens 
so we're talking about who's the most loyal, and then we're gonna we're gonna talk about who they are and why. Um, so, is there anyone who would like to go first for their Lens MVP discussion? Okay. All right. Okay. Fine. Fine. I'll go first. Fine. Thank you. You can't stop me. All right. So my pick for lens MVP is Janai. One, because she's awesome. She's got a cool sword. She looks amazing. Okay. But really, I, I think that she is extremely loyal to the cause once she is kind of brought into the circle of people who are all working together. When we see her first in Luxoria, um, she's pretty mean, right? She captures Amaya. Like, we don't like her. We're like, oh, she's just, and then she keeps Amaya as like a prisoner. And, but eventually with everything that happens, you know, she and Amaya start working together. So even though originally she hated humans, she was extremely loyal, you know, to her queen, um, you know, and to kind of preserving their, you know, sanctum almost, you know, to preserving their culture, their way of life. She is willing to step outside that and kind of readjust her loyalty to serving kind of the greater good of Zadia. And I think that's, that's great because she seemed really stubborn at the beginning. Um, you know, but by the end, she's pledging, you know, what's left of her troops. She's, you know, pledging herself to stopping Viren's forces. And I think that she's the MVP. I mean, this is a bold choice for you to pick Janai. I think that there is a lot of lot of strong loyalty in this episode, as we discussed. And, you know, we didn't even talk about Janai once. So uh, bold of you to pick Janai here. I'm just saying, just saying. I have confidence. I have confidence. All right. Well, let's let's see how it turns out. Let's see how it turns out. Bold move, Cotton. Uh, all right. Who wants to go next? I will go next. I chose Soren because he was my MVP in the episode that we did a couple back. But also, man, you just you got to love Soren, right? All of the things that he's doing in this episode slash this season. But the fact that he is faced with this unthinkable choice of having to pick between his dad being a villain, right? And sparing him versus having to save the king of Zadia and just rough times, rough times. But he chooses Ez, and I'm really proud of him for his loyalty to Ezrin and standing by the true king, which is, I'm pretty sure it's a paraphrase quote, but that's about what he said, but, you know, while his dad is wearing the crown, but he's not viewing that physical thing as the king. He's looking at Ez being the king. So Soren is my MVP. Yeah, so Kelly is just picking a character that she thinks is awesome and you're just trying to ride your own coattails so <laughs> this is like wow. y'all are we're starting off strong ben, all right you're <laughs> going so low but it's low. okay because low. i still beat low. you ben low. in the last one so it's fine <laughs> that was rude uh all right well Rahul, you or me do you want to go next or you want me to i'll go i'll go all right I, all I right. think i'll think it'll be tough for you to talk smack on this one um because yeah because oh. yeah because i chose bait <laughs> And, you know, no one wants to talk smack on bait. Um, yeah. Um, you know, so bait, I think he's like a really interesting character that isn't really focused a lot on. You know, he has some moments of jealousy when when Zim hatches and Ezra's spending a lot of time with him. But last couple of episodes, he's shown he's a real one. Because, you know, when, when Zim is scared about seeing his mom, bait stays back. This episode, you know, he's he's 
ride or die. You know, he's he's staying with him. He gets smacked by Viren into a he wall. Does. Yeah. And then just, you know, just walks it off, just comes back. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think you can get any better when it comes to loyalty than bait. Rahul's going for the for the emotional deep cut here to try and win. That's really uh, good. Okay, yeah. Oh, look, Kelly just gave Rahul a vote by saying that. Listen, you, got, <laughs> you cannot be kind during this. <laughs> like this. It's bait, though. Yeah. No, I, I, I <clears throat> bait was a, a good option. A good option. Um, but let's be real here. The the true MVP for loyalty is Ezrin. We were talking all episode about loyalty, and I think Ezrin really takes the cake, and here's why. Ezrin is the model for us this entire, all three seasons, not just this episode, but all three seasons of being kind and reaching out to people who need help and prioritizing people. And then we see, we talked about dividends paying off. Like, and by that, I mean, I think I said that. Uh, but <laughs> we mentioned it earlier where all of his kindness is paying off in this episode. All of the, the kind and good things that he has done is paying off and has built this friendship loyalty, right? That is overcoming the brittle fear loyalty that we see, which is like, I, I thought about choosing Claudia. I'll admit, Claudia is like fiercely loyal and almost like blindly loyal in this. So like, I, I think I could have won with Claudia, but y'all, brittle loyalty compared to Ezrin's loyalty, which is strong, strong soul. So that is my my choice. And I, I, I can't wait to just, to win this poll for you all. You mean to come in fourth place? You're, you would Sounds vote for like... Ezrin fourth out of those four? All I'm gonna say, all I'm gonna say <laughs> is where was Ezrin when Rayla was frozen, you know? Oh. Bait, bait was there. Bait was there. On a dragon oh. fighting the battle. <laughs> this is yeah, like, this is like freshman he year debate. The, he could have melted the ice. He chose not to. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh my god. Oh, As oh my god. He's no bait. He's no bait. These are all great choices. <laughs> uh, See, the thing uh, is, Ezrin, Ezrin can't be good at everything. I heard you say a lot, but not the word loyalty more than maybe twice. So I think that Ezrin could be good at everything, but maybe this one, he's not the best. Yeah, but the lens was not kindness, Ben. Yeah, but kindness <laughs> breeds loyalty, people. Like, we come on. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> we digress. Uh, we digress. Okay. Uh, I can't wait to win this poll. It'll come out soon. Um, but until then, uh, y'all just have to wait on bated breath. Uh, but for now, what we're going to do is we're going to dive into our final segment. Uh, final segment is gratitude. Gratitude, 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 which is, there's there's a lot to be thankful for. Like I said, I teared up like four times during this episode during my rewatch. So there's so much in here. Like I, I, it was tough for me to pick, but um Anybody interested in uh, going first for the gratitude? All right. Looks I like will go first, mostly because I gave you a hard time about Ez being your MVP, and Ezrin is who I am grateful for. So, so I you are going to go for Ezrin. No, I am not, but that's fine. <laughs> I am grateful for him, <laughs> and that will clear my conscience. Um, the two reasons I'm specifically grateful for Ez are the interaction he has with 
Callum, um, after or during the battle scene where he sees that Callum wants to go be with Rayla and Zim and he tells him to go. And I felt like that was one of those moments where we've seen as grow up, but that was the moment where I was like, wow, this kid is going to be a phenomenal leader because he's looking at what his brother wants to do. And he's looking where he needs to go as King and seeing that they're separate places and he's totally fine with letting Callum go. And then Callum has that moment where he's like, I'm so proud of you. And he owns it. He goes, I know. And that was just such a great moment for me. Like I get so warm and fuzzy feelings and all of the joy with that moment. And I was like, that's right, Ezra. You are great. And I'm glad that, you know, you own that because you should. That's a lot of responsibility for a little kid. Yeah. Oh, I'm so grateful for Ezra. Thank you for for choosing my winner. I'm so grateful. All right. Who else are we grateful for? Um, I'm grateful for Queen Anya because, I mean, this kind of stems back to like even before this episode though, because she was one of the only rulers of the human kingdom that did not want to go to war, you know, and was another, you know, child ruler that the adults were saying, you know, you don't know any better. You don't have enough experience. This is a mistake. You know, somebody needs to basically kick you out and take over because you clearly don't know how to make decisions, um, you know, the way that we want you to. Um, and I just love that at the end that she has this opportunity to bring, you know, back the weak links, you know, to the battlefield and basically say, no, we're not weak. You know, we're strong. And she's brought her own people and they let off this huge volley of arrows. It's so satisfying. Yeah. Um, and I just love that it's, you know, just one of those final hour moments where she comes in, um, and is able to, you know, not entirely save the day, but saves Callum's she, day. Yeah. She, I mean, she does good work. She does some good work. And I'm just grateful for her as a character that, um, that they wrote a character like that, that, you know, can come back. And I hope that we see more of her in season four. You're here. You're here. Rule, how about you? Uh, I chose Callum, partly because mm. we didn't really talk a lot about him this episode. Yeah. But, I mean, Rue Wings. No Red Bull needed. And Rue <laughs> Wings. Um, and, yeah, I think that's... Is it appropriation? You know, we can, we can debate back and forth. But he grew wings, proclaimed love. Both mm. pretty, pretty cool things. Um, and, yo, he also had... I think a really nice moment with Soren that I think was really needed for both their characters yeah. to sort of resolve that relationship that kind of hit some rocky points along the path of the show. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, Callum has grown a lot throughout the show. And I think this was like a really nice sort of um, climax for his character. Um, yeah. Along this step of yeah. the show, I thought that moment just to take a little pause and live in this moment for a second. I, I this moment where, like, Callum thinks for about two, three seconds where before he jumps, right? He's like, "Oh, mm, mm, I'm gonna do it." And then we also see like freaking out, freaking out, freaking out. And then there's this moment of calm that I thought they animated so well. And the voice change, everything about it was just really beautiful. 
And I'm curious what went on in his mind in that moment. Um, because for, for me, it was almost a like letting go. Like I'm what will be will be. And this is the best that I can do. And I love you. And then, or is it like, nope, love is the answer. I must say it. I'm and like, and so like, I'm curious, like what's going through his mind in that moment when the spell actually works. Um, but I, I don't know. There's something there. Cause then, you know, it's also interesting. I just find it really interesting that, you know, Viren kind of like just, I wonder if he just passed out or something because like Rayla's not attached to him anymore. And she like turns around and looks up and I don't know, like, it, like what made her do that also? There's this, I had questions. I have questions. Um, but anyway, I, I digress. You know, in, in anticipation of uh, book three of Korra being covered, it's almost yeah. a reversal of let go of your earthly tether because he's leaning into that yeah. tether. And I mean, I think he's just like, if I die today, I need to say what's on my heart. And that just yeah. happens to work. He's it, more like, I'm going to die. I might as well say it. It reminded me of Harry Potter in the book seven when he's walking into the forest to die. And he says, I am going to die to the snitch. And that's when it allows him to open it. It's like, it's the realization and the understanding, like, this is what I'm going to do. And I feel like that's what it was. It's like, there is no other option. So it, it felt very similar in character to that. Um, so, yeah, really interesting moment. Um, maybe under a different lens, we'll talk about it more one day. Uh, but uh, I digress. So we've had really wonderful choices so far. Ezrin, we've had Anya, now Callum. And so for me, I am I'm grateful for two characters. I'm going to say both, but hone in on one. I'm really grateful for Grin. Uh, we see this uh, reunion with Amaya where he is just like crying and like sobbing with her. And then he gets back into like, okay, I have to translate now. And it's just really touching, really. And I was just like, oh, no, there's so much love between you two. It's wonderful. And then um, the person I really want to lean in on and be grateful for is Marco, which we talked about um, briefly earlier. But this soldier that we've been with since episode one right? Um, we see an incredible journey from, from this person who was like, I'm like gonna, gonna kill an elf to I'm now fighting in this war trying to save Zadia and save the world from this evil human being that's, you know, uh, turning people into monsters. Um, so I'm just really grateful to have witnessed that whole transition and to see the, um, to see that journey and to be a part of it kind of like I'm really grateful to be a part of this journey with all of you. Aww. No, stop. <laughs> Not allowed to say that. Well, I mean, I am. Not after giving us a hard time about who yeah. our MVPs are. Oh, I am very, <laughs> very up for giving people a hard time because I lose every time, so it's <laughs> fine. Uh, I can't tell if it's out of spite uh, or if it's, uh, I'm just bad at picking people. Uh, but so it goes. Um, Maggie says it's because I'm bad at picking people. Okay, we'll talk later. Okay, so uh, <laughs> um, 
but yeah, we've, we've come to the end of an episode. You've all had a chance to kind of share out all your, all your things, but um, this has been an incredible journey with, with our patrons. Uh, we have other people that kind of hide in the, uh, in the bushes and don't ever come out, but we thank you all for being patrons as well. We're so grateful that you are supporting this podcast and enabling this conversation to happen. Um, we are grateful for all of our patrons, but also we're grateful to all the listeners who are just chiming in and listening to us cover the dragon prince and we will be coming back to the legend of Korra book three very shortly and so we have some guests lined up for that and we're really excited and really hopeful that um we get to continue and it's all because you all are listening and thank you so much i'll also say that i have a goal uh recently that i have um i think i'm starting a bending not breaking newsletter um that I'm planning to write something for uh, fairly regularly. It will be hit or miss. I'm not committing anything to it, but I am aiming to do uh, probably, you know, 500 to a thousand words a week uh, and put that out on the newsletter. You can find that on uh, at BNB underscore pod at Substack. So that's also for patrons posted on our Patreon site and I'm sure it will be tweeted about and sent on all the things as well once it actually starts going. So I offer that to everybody, but uh, any final words from from you all before we sign off? Just want to say thank you, Ben, for letting us be on the podcast. Um, you know, it's it's super fun, and we love we love doing the live episodes. It's kind of fun to put one together for everybody to hear. Um, kind of what what might go on in the live episodes. It's a little bit different when we do it when we do it just for patrons, but still, just thank you so much for for facilitating this for us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. It's been good. Thank you. All right. You heard it from then, everybody. It, this has been Bending Not Breaking and our patrons supporting us. And we are grateful to be here. Uh, until next time, be well. Be well.